Hey everybody, welcome in. Let's go. It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Excited to be joining you talking Minnesota Vikings football after an unexcitable performance by the Minnesota Vikings, but we have a lot to get to. We're going to we're going to talk uh, at a macro level. We're going to talk at a micro level. We're going to talk about uh, the Carolina Panthers, what's ahead for the Vikings. we got a lot to get to today. I know you all are bummed out about the game yesterday as the Vikings dropped their third consecutive contest to start the season. But uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? And i got a tough one joining me uh, to break it all down, and that's my co-host and my partner, Giles, uh, who... Did his best yesterday at U.S. Bank Stadium to will the Vikings to a victory late in the game, but he couldn't quite do it. And if Giles can't do it, it can't be done. So let's figure out what the heck went wrong for the Vikings yesterday against the Chargers. Hey, Giles, how's it going, man? Hey, hey, happy Monday. Uh, it you. is truly the best day of the week, uh, like yeah. I always say. Uh, a little bit tougher uh, today, uh, more than usual, because of the loss yeah. yesterday. I was there right in the end zone, got to watch all the plays. Uh, it was definitely an exciting game to watch, I will say. As a general fan of football, that was a really fun game to be a part of. Now, obviously, we did not come out on top, and we'll talk through all the reasons why that maybe happened and what we can do to maybe try to improve that. But definitely fun to watch. Uh, a somber morning here with uh, an 0-3 record. But, hey, uh, we'll talk through what should we do this season. Yep. It, it, it is a somber morning. You're right, Giles. From a you know, relative standpoint, it's a somber morning for, uh, for football fans in Minnesota, for Vikings fans. And to the extent that my wife can be a true barometer of how Vikings Nation is feeling, um, and she is you know, diehard and season ticket owner and all, the whole thing, um, yeah. and she was there yesterday. Uh, your, I was not. Uh, the Lakeville Cup fall soccer tournament was happening, so we divided and conquered. Um, I conquered my side of the deal. Uh, the boys won the fall cup. Uh, so we were good on our side of things. <laughs> I got to tell you, Giles, she came home. She was downtrodden, man. I mean, yeah. she can shake off losses. This one hurt, you know, and it's, it's, it's like this one in a vacuum you could handle. But this one, yep. after starting 0-2, mm -hmm. I think this is hurting the Vikings faithful. Yep. I could not agree more. And I think uh, that is kind of an important element to mention is viewed in a vacuum, because if you look at uh, each quarter, for example, for all the games that we played thus far, all three games, yeah. you look at uh, all 12 quarters, yeah. you would find a lot of things to like, right? Where you're like, all right, well, we, we messed up a little bit here, but wow, I really like this. And then when you zoom back out and you just look at three holistic games, you're like, oh my goodness, we're 0-3. Should we light this on fire? So I think uh, it's important to understand context when it comes to the Vikings this year. Now, that's not necessarily meant to say, like that should dictate the route that we move forward here this season. But yeah. I think it's important to note, we aren't as bad as most 0-3 teams. Like there are a lot of great things to like. Now, the question is, can you recover from an 0-3 record? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Because um, I think that is, we're, we're going to talk about the Chargers game. You and I have a lot of points to get to. But you, you bring up the question, Giles, that we should talk about. Can the Vikings recover from this? So let's talk about... Where are the Vikings right now, uh, and where should they go from here? I think folks want to hear that discussion more than they want to hear about why Keenan Allen had 18 catches on 20 targets or what Kirk Cousins should have done in the last 25 seconds. We'll get to that. First, bigger picture. I mean, literally, currently, the Vikings are at TCO Performance Center getting ready for Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's literally where they are. Now, Carolina is also 0-3, following losses to begin the season at Atlanta, at home to the Saints, and then this weekend they were in Seattle. So they lost mm -hmm. all three of those games. So Vikings are getting ready for them right now. From a narrative standpoint, 
the Vikings are in a significant hole at 0-3 with a winnable game coming up against Carolina, but games against Kansas City and San Francisco on the horizon within a month here. Mm -hmm. So as the early season picture goes, this is fairly ominous for the Vikings. Optimistically, they're on the bottom looking up at a weak division, I believe. Rel yep. Relatively speaking, a weak division um, in the NFL and, and in the NFC, a weak division. No team has demonstrated, even the Lions. I know they beat Kansas City in week one, but the Lions have not demonstrated or shown us that they're running away with this thing. They're two and yep. one. I think they've got flaws of their own that they have to deal with. Uh, I don't think Green Bay is going to run away with it either, even though the Vikings are looking up at them right now. And I'll also say that despite Kansas City and San Francisco coming up, they, they do have a string of games against Green Bay, Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Chicago, and Las Vegas after October 23rd. Now, there, you can make some hay with that. Mm -hmm. So that's the optimistic viewpoint. Uh, negatively, they're staring at three and six right in the face, man. I mean, I think they'll win in Carolina, but I don't know that they'll beat Kansas City or San Francisco. So even if they beat Carolina and Chicago here in the next month, I think they're looking at three and six. They really don't have a genuine threat on the ground. I know that they did some good things on the ground this week, and we'll see what happens with Cam Akers, but it's it's the Kirk Cousins show on offense. The defense is worse or I don't know, is it worse than it was last year? No, it's not. But the defense is not what people hoped it would be in terms of an improvement. So mm -hmm. that's the negative side of this. So without giving away your answer, Giles, to the question of where should the Vikings go from here, because we'll talk about that next. Where are the Vikings right now? Your response or your own thoughts um, after I sort of laid it out that way. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, we'll start with offense because uh, that's kind of where the NFL is going. And I think mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people look at this last game and they get very frustrated. So, for example, Justin Jefferson was targetless throughout the entire first quarter. And they yeah. say, what happened? Like, and they get up in arms about the play calling and Kirk Cousins and a lot of different facets. At the end of the day, he still ended the, the game at 149 yards, which ironically, I think he would have been the first player, uh, I think, in NFL history, if I'm not mistaken, to go the first three games with over a buck 50. So he oh, wow. unfortunately did not shatter that record. Um, but a buck 50 is nothing to shake a hat at. Like that is like that yeah. is a very strong game. Now, he obviously had a weak quarter, but, um, you know, there's a lot of things to like, a lot of things that uh, maybe could use improvement. But I think when you get down to the X's and O's, you get down into the actual nitty gritty of the game. We're not doing too bad. When you look at yards per play in the entire NFL throughout three games or the three. Yeah, the first three games, limited sample size. Where would you guess that the Vikings are uh, ranking wise in yards per play? Offensively. Um, I would say, man, they've had some good yardage totals here. They've also run a lot of plays, uh, probably third fourth we are second second yeah. in yards yeah. per play offensively that yeah. is that is great right now yeah. obviously we yeah. have oh, yeah. we've had some time of possession issues uh at least in the first two games not necessarily against the chargers we actually had more uh, time of possession than the chargers but that is something that should not be go uh not be underscored enough because your ability to move the ball and actually put yards on the field is I was going to say second to none, but we're literally second. Uh, so yeah. we're, we're doing great, yep. right? And yep. when I think about yards per game, we're third in yards per game. We're pushing the ball down the field. Um, we are actually seventh in first downs per play percentage. Um, mm. So, and, you know, on the first downs per play, we're seventh. And yep. it's a pretty tiny margin between us and number one. So we're able to move the ball down the field, right? Mm -hmm. So when you think about 
us against the Chargers, for example, which we'll get into in a little bit. The Chargers are a great team. I don't. I think uh, sometimes when you when you view the the Minnesota Vikings in its totality throughout the entire 2023 season, you use it against the lens of the Chargers. The Chargers are a great team, and we were able to do some pretty great things offensively. Now, yeah. you know, when we're thinking about the holistic thing. I think we're doing great offensively. Our biggest issue on offense is uh, turnovers. It's still a big issue. Uh, we're we're fumble fingers. We're butter, butter fingers, and it's causing issues. So yeah. when I think about the Minnesota Vikings, I think there's a lot of things to like. I think we can move the ball. I think, well, we'll talk about it a little bit. I think we've been able to reestablish our run game. Uh, you know, it was not great through the first two weeks. The third game yep. against the Chargers, we did much, much better. Obviously, we've traded for Cam Akers, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, we beefed up our offensive line in Dalton Reiser. Although he's not necessarily a great run blocker, I think there will still be a slight improvement uh, if we do trade him out for Ed Ingram. So all that to say, I think we're one of the best passing offenses in the league. We're going to be significantly proved in the, the run game based on our addition. So I'm really excited for, uh, about offense. You agree? I agree with almost all of that. I don't think okay. they're a credible threat on the ground. I know it was okay. it was their best performance to date running the ball. Yep. But I think that I don't I don't think Kevin O'Connell and Wes Chandler can help themselves with Cousins, Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson and not great run blocking. I just think they, mm -hmm. they're, and they're, they might be smart. I, yep. I, I just, I can't see them doing it. Like I'm trying to think of other people who I've thought I felt this way about where it's like, I, they just can't help themselves. They just got to throw it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yep. So, but aside from that, I agree with everything you said. Um, turnovers are a problem. The one thing I would add that if, that I find annoying as someone who likes it done the right way. I think cousins mm -hmm. take sacks. He shouldn't be taken. Um, I would agree with that. You know, so I would add that to it, but they're a very good offensive team. Giles. I agree mm -hmm. with you on that. Like it's formidable. They move the mm -hmm. ball down the field. They pick up chunks of yardage. There are game management and, and, and crucial moments in games where they don't execute great on offense mm -hmm. or defense, but, the body of work offensively, their total talent level on offense, especially at skill positions, is A+. Plus. Yep. Uh, I, I'm i glad you said that. Can I, can, it kind of sparked a, a thought I had when I was at the game while we were there. What's and that? I know I just mentioned that the run game improved. We actually achieved 4.5, or I'm sorry, 5.4 yards per carry, uh, or par, uh, yards per rush attempt uh, against uh -huh. the Chargers, which is much better than we were before. We were uh, about half that in the first two games. However... If you were to evaluate the Minnesota Vikings going into that game, if you're the Chargers, what's their biggest weakness? In my opinion, it's turnovers. So I think yep. you can make an argument based on your comment there that they allowed 5.4 yards per carry because they were not trying to tackle. They were trying to strip the ball. Oh, like, man. Is there yeah. a chance that we got artificially inflated because they were not trying to tackle? Like, the biggest way to, to change the game is to try to strip the ball, yep. right? Uh, and we were obviously trying to establish the run game. We had significantly more carries than the Chargers. Is, it, is there a chance that, like, they were playing chess and we were playing checkers? Uh, yes, there is a chance of that, you know? And I don't think it's like, just let them, don't worry about tackling, just let them run. It's not that, but it's, hey, your second man there, third man there start raking at it start raking yep. at it right yeah yep. for sure and you're going to give up a couple more yards per play but if you get a couple turnovers it wins the game and it, it really happened twice it happened to madison too he fumbled yep. that 
you know. Yeah, um, and he got lucky that that got called back. He did. The Vikings got lucky there, but that was a fumble, man. And it, yep. it happened to Hawkinson on the Vikings' first possession, I believe it was. So, yeah, yeah, there is a chance there. But let, let's move on to defense, though, Giles, because I, I agree with you on offense. They That is not where the problem is. Turnovers are a problem. Too many sacks are a problem. Whatever. But, like, when you look back at this, you're not going to totally let the offense off scot-free here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you win and lose as a team, so the offense would say we could do more. But I don't really think there's much to have a have a big problem with on offense. I would definitely agree. And I think when you look at the stats, uh, I'm just pulling up the yards per play defensively. That's uh-huh. where, if you had to guess, where are we in the NFL in 2023? And oh, yards man. per play allowed. I, I would say it's it's the inverse of the offense. It's It's yep. probably you know, bottom five. Yep. We're 25th. We allow 5.5 yards. Uh, and ironically, um, that is across the entire first two, uh, I'm sorry, the, the first three uh, games of the season, we were, Mm -hmm. uh, we're bottom five, 5.5. And against the chargers, we were 7.4 yards per play allowed. Yeah. Now this is where I really get into a wrestle in my head because that's bad. Like that's real bad. But yep. at the same time, you're playing one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, I mean, like if you're going to go up against Patrick Mahomes, for example. Now, call me this if this is uh, like naive. But if I'm going to that game, I'm thinking, yep, I'm playing the best guy ever. Uh, we're going to give up yeah. a lot of yards. We're going to give up yeah. a lot of yards per play. We need to simply outscore them, right? So I don't know how much there is cause for alarm or panic. Like, oh my gosh, we gave up seven point yards per carry. It was against one of the best quarterbacks in the well, league. He's yeah. a top three quarterback. You're right, guys. I think when you go up against something like that, unless you're an elite defense, you know, yep. the Zim defense in, the, in his prime here, the Jets this year, you know, someone like that, unless you're them, you're probably not them. So when you go up against Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, when he's playing really well, I think what you say is, of course, like we're going to execute and try and do the job the right way every time, all that. But it's like we're going to take punches here for sure. Yep. What we have to do is square our jaw back every single time and get ready because this is football. The ball's going to bounce a weird way. And when that happens, we have to make that play. Yep. Right? So 100%. you have to not get discouraged that Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is torching you you got to keep showing up every single rep to try and win that rep because that rep that you do win might be a really important one. Mm-hmm. You know, and an example of the Chargers doing that, I'll give you two examples of the Chargers doing that yesterday. Mm-hmm. The fourth and goal touchdown at the end of the first half. That tight that end made a play, man. Like that yeah. was an unlikely completion because of how close and how hard, how close – Herbert was to the receiver and how hard he threw it. It was unlikely that guy was going to catch it, but he did. And then the Mike Williams catch when the Chargers were backed up and Herbert threw it down the sideline to Mike Williams before he got hurt and he had to get his arms underneath it and it was reviewed and upheld. Like he made a play, man. That was a a crucial moment and he just made the play. So yeah, um, you know, they did go up against a really good player. They gave up a lot of yards, but in a key, crucial, clutch moment, they didn't make a play and win a rep. Yep. Uh, I think that's definitely important to note. And I think if we go into Carolina <laughs> and mm-hmm. we suffer, um, under obviously number one overall pick, like he's 
He has a great future in the NFL, but he's still a rookie. He's only three games into the NFL, into professional sports. Yeah. We should be able to hold these guys. I know we're playing a revenge game against Adam Thielen. That will be mm -hmm. a, a talking track, and that'll be some emotion on and off the field. But if we cannot put a, a decent level stop, I think that's when we need to say, all right, what are we going to do here? Because seeing it uphand, you know, up close and personal uh, in U.S. Bank Stadium, we did not get home at all against the Chargers, but we were getting yep. pressure on every single play, right? So obviously mm -hmm. when you look at the Brian Flores defense, they're going to rush and blitz half the time, right? Yep. Half the time yep. they are sending a lot of people, maybe everybody going cover zero, right? Mm -hmm. And that beats and covers a lot of things. But if you were going up against a quarterback that gets the ball out quickly, that is the, that's the cheat code against Brian Flores. Now, in my opinion, correct me if you disagree, when I look at NFL uh, offenses, not all teams can do that well consistently. Doing it well mm -hmm. and often is a really hard thing to do, getting the ball out quickly. And just so happens, Herbert is really great at that. And yep. we got torched. Now, yep. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about the defense, but I think there's a, an offense, offense and defense level uh, balancing act that I think we need to talk about here when it comes to how do we solve winning games? Part of it's defense and part of it's offense, but what do we need to do in order to get uh, W's on the board and actually have a successful season if that is the way to go here? Well, let's talk about that. Is that the way to go? Um, where should the Vikings go from here? There's two choices. It's eyes on the NFC North title, eyes on the prize, or is it tank for 2024? Mm -hmm. Let's start with keeping your eyes on the prize and not giving up on the season. You're, you're 0-3, certainly. The first step in that would be you know, beating Carolina to, go, uh, to, to, to get to 1-3. Detroit looks like, to me, so here's the case for for staying the course, trying to get better and right the ship. Here's the case mm -hmm. for it. I think Detroit, to me, they look like a nine-win team after mm -hmm. 14 games. I think it could be eight, mm -hmm. but let's be conservative here for the Vikings and give them nine. So I think they're going to be nine and five after 14 games. At that point, Giles, the Vikings would need seven wins at that same time to have a shot at the division because they played Detroit twice in the final three weeks. Yep. So this is how you could get to seven wins, I think. Carolina, you play Chicago twice. Yep. Denver, you have Green Bay at home. Mm -hmm. And then you'd need to go two and two or better in this stretch, Atlanta, New Orleans, Las Vegas, Cincinnati. So can you get two games from Atlanta, New Orleans, Vegas, and Cincy? Can you get Green Bay at home? Can you beat Denver at home? Can you beat Chicago twice? Can you win this week in Carolina? If you do that, you're at seven. So now you are within striking distance of Detroit with three weeks to go. So you have a chance to have a chance. If that's the way you go, you got to get uh, Reisner in. You got to get mm -hmm. Davenport healthy, and he's got to be in. <clears throat> and then philosophically, what you have to do is I think you have to become a pressure team, Giles, because I don't, to me, they don't do a good enough job covering, and they don't do a good enough job of closing on the quarterback. So I, I would say let's become a pressure team. Let's pressure and blitz a lot mm -hmm. because that's going to make them throw the ball quickly, and it's going to require our corners to cover for a smaller amount of time. Yep, I completely agree. Um, and – I think a lot of this uh, discussion is built upon this next game. If you lose against the Panthers, I think that entirely changes this paradigm. But if you are viewing our team in a vacuum today after three wins or three losses, 
I do think there is a chance to turn it around based on your explanation. I do think there is a way where you could beat Detroit. And uh, I think this team is good in all the right places offensively. Mm-hmm. I think you obviously need to adjust for for um, uh, for fumbles, right? And if you yeah. can get Marcus Davenport back, I do expect us to get a lot more pressure because watching yeah. the, the team yeah. on Sunday, they got home they almost got home a lot, right? Yeah, and then yeah. the ball got out and they were, they were screwed, right? So if you can yeah. get Marcus Davenport in there, I'll do respect to DJ Wanham. I think that changed the paradigm quite a bit because I think we're doing very well safety-wise in coverage, but our cornerbacks are struggling because of our pressure issue. So if you yeah. can fix the pressure issue with Marcus Davenport, I do believe that that's a solve. Call me yeah. naive and call me a homer, but I really believe that is part of this formula and that w- that's been the missing piece and that mm-hmm. – ironically is because he has been out for three games. Now I know injury has been an issue throughout his past, but if you can get him back, I think you can correct the issues on defense. I really, really do. Will we be top 10? No, but as long as you can be league average, I think we'll be fine. I think it's important to note here. The chargers are top three in pretty much every statistical category offensively. They're doing great. Ironic. Like they're, they're doing very well at moving the ball down the field. I, I mean, Herbert had, a NFL historical game against us, right? Yes. And if you compare that idea with the fact that we only lost by four points, like all of a sudden it's not as bad, right? You would have thought that we would have gotten blown out. It was like (laughs) the first half of the Colts game last year. We were still within four points. Like we were able to toe, toe to toe. And I think when you think about today's modern NFL, although I do think the the defense is an issue and we need to improve upon that because we we cannot get pressure and we need to, if we want to continue being competitive in games. But if that does happen, that's a big if, but it's an if. Yeah. I think we can go toe to toe and score just like the rest of them. I think when you look at the the totality of the, the chargers game, I think we potentially tried to establish the run a little bit too much where going into that game, knowing that you're going against Herbert, I think we thought, well, let's try to control the game. Uh, let's try to run the ball. Let's slow it down. Let's have good time of possession. And I think, unfortunately, we should have approached this game like it was a track meet and try to outscore yeah. them. And yeah. I think we figured that out too late. Now, I think there was even a chance that we still could have won if we didn't make any mistakes. But imagine if we just tried to pound the not pound the rock, but throw the ball down the field. I think yeah. that would have been a much different game. Now, I think it would have been a track meet. Don't get me wrong. Like that would have been a back and forth, really fun game to watch as a as a, a football fan. But I think that would have been the much better route here because you could not stop the Chargers offensively, nor have a lot of teams been able to. They've been able to put up a lot of a lot of yards and a lot of points. I mean, even yeah. through the first two weeks, uh, a lot of people weren't talking about this, but the Chargers were the only team in NFL history to score more than 50, ga- uh, 50 points through the first two games, have zero turnovers, and go 0-2. Like, that's, that's yeah. unlucky at that point. If you're scoring yeah. that many points, having zero turnovers, like, they're a, a team that can move the ball down the field. They have a great quarterback, great wide receiver. So I think, I think there is a point to say let's ease up a little bit on the defense, not, not to completely let them off the hook, but I think there's a chance that we get better after moving on from this game. Uh, and if we can adjust a few things on offense, we just simply need to score, score more points. And I think that is partially a philosophy thing uh, in the fact that I think we need to look at our, our talent and that's not running the ball. Like, unfortunately, you need to be able to throw the ball down the field, at least when it comes to mm-hmm. the Chargers. Yep. And I think you might have a different outcome. All right, so... Um... That's the case for eyes on the prize. Turn this thing around and see if you can bounce back. Yeah. Now let's go the other route and talk about that. Tank for 2024. That's the other option. You're, the case for that is you are behind two teams already in the division, and it looks like they're both better than you. Uh, Detroit yep. 
has more grit and a better uh as good of an offense and a better defense uh green bay i think has a better defense um and we'll see what happens with their offense but they're a game better than you already and if you don't win the division there's really probably realistically only one wild card spot that you're fighting for would be the seventh seed because philly or dallas is going to win the division and the other one will get a wild card and i think that uh seattle will have a wild card uh throw in the rams giants atlanta new orleans there's just a lot of competition for one or two wild card spots um so tank for 2024 and if you do that there are trade possibilities here with cousins and daniel hunter and then you got to make some lineup changes i think you you give fewer snaps to hicks um and Phillips, Lowry, and Bullard, and you give more snaps to younger guys who you want to develop. So mm -hmm. that's the tank for 24 route. Uh, we already went through the eyes on the prize route. Uh, your reaction to the tank for 2024, and then let's talk about which one we would choose if we were the boss. If we lose against the Panthers, I am in much more support of this theory because okay. uh, of two things. One, it's impossible to get out of 0-4, I think. If you go 0-4... Mm -hmm. That's a hole that I don't think any team can get out of. Even if you're a great team, which I think we are at least a good team, where we have a lot of things to like. But if you go 0-4, that's a really hard hole to get out of. And more importantly, Kirk Cousins isn't under contract next year. So mm -hmm. uh, I think it's important to balance both the now and tomorrow, today and tomorrow. And if he's not under contract next year and you don't think you can win... Uh, in any meaningful way, you might as well trade him. Not necessarily saying you're actively trying to tank, but like go get some value for him. If he walks, you get zero value from that. Go trade him for a first round pick to the Jets and then prepare for next year, right? Because yeah. if he was under contract beyond next year, I maybe have a different approach, but he's not under contract. And if you go 0-4, I don't expect that's a hole you can ever get out of. Even if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, that's a hard hole to get out of. And we have the Niners, the Cowboys. There's some really good teams to like in the NFC, albeit weak in comparison to the AFC. I just think that's too big of a hole. I mean, if if I agree with you, and if you're in that position, it, even if you get a second or a third round pick for him, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, you're. Yeah. I mean, at, if you are declaring yourself dead. Mm -hmm. Winning does not help you. I, I get no. the culture building and whatever thing, whatever. That's playing hard. You want to play hard every week. That's an in the weeds thing from a high level, macro level. Mm -hmm. Winning is not helping you. Once you're out, winning is not helping you. So not at all. I, I think, you know, to just cut to the chase here on this discussion, you and I both would still be trying to turn it around and, and win the division. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what I would do if I was the owner of the Vikings or the GM of the Vikings, I would not be turning us off course here. I, uh, if, if we were in the NFC East, uh, maybe I would do that, you know, because mm -hmm. the Eagles and Cowboys are clearly better than the Vikings. You are not going to overtake them after starting 0-3, but I don't feel that way about the Lions or the Packers. Yeah. I, think, I think the Vikings will beat the Bears twice, yep. um, and I think they can get to seven wins by week 14. I do, and okay. maybe I'm crazy and people laugh at it, but I think – and if you are at seven wins by week 14, you can catch the Lions if yep. you beat them twice. So yep. that's where I think they should go. Um, yep. I, I think they got to make two really key changes, though, Giles, and we already talked about it a little bit. I think, you know, I think they just have to become a blitz-happy, pressure-oriented defense because mm -hmm. I – after what I saw yesterday, I just maybe the uh, 
I can't call that an abomination. I think that's kind of who they are coverage wise. Yep. yep. You know, like agreed. They can't cover. Yep. They can't uh, cover at least in the time that it takes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so even if, even if it's just, it's forcing the quick game and you got to rally and tackle, like it's not going to result in a bunch of sacks. It's at least going to result in not having to cover receivers 12 and 15 yards down the field. I think they got to yeah. become a pressure oriented defense. And I'm sure Brian, Brian Flores would love to do that. So I would, I would let him turn it on and just tell him to keep going. So in that train of thought, if you do think that this is a salvageable season, right? Um, yeah. Which is a realistic route with 0-3. 0-4 becomes a little different, but I think you are correct in the fact that we are the weakest division in football, period. Full stop. Do you try to go trade for an edge rusher? Do you put Marcus Davenport on IR if you feel like, hey, it's going to be three, four weeks before we can get back into the fold? Put him on IR and go trade for somebody. And even if it's for a one-year rental, which I get is a big cost, I mean, you restructured Brian O'Neill. You have about $10 million in cap space. I'm sure there's a, additional things that you could go do, assuming that Kirk Cousins is maybe in his last year of uh, suiting up in purple. If you think this is your win-now window, which the Vikings have indicated that they kind of are with the signing of Dalton Reisner, trading of Cam Akers, do you trade for an edge rusher to try to fix that? I, I mean, I guess you would look at that, but I don't know who that would be. It's a good I, question. I don't – so I, I don't think so. I, I think no because – you're you're declaring this a win now window still, but mm -hmm. you're gonna have to give up what is likely a pretty key building block for the post Kirk Cousins era to do that, yep. and I wouldn't yep. do that. That's that's fair. I I, I would agree with that. Uh, I think. Yeah, like you mentioned, you have to agree with the, both today and tomorrow. I was just trying to think about ways to overcome this. Yeah. This space, I, but. Yeah. I know, but I'd I'd rather try a different tactic to get to that outcome, which is to let Flores turn it loose and become a pressure-oriented team. And look, I, <clears throat> you're talking about – I mean, we talked about this. I was like, why are you letting Zadarius Smith go? Like, how are you going to rush the passer, right? And we he's doing great this year. Yeah. I mean, he's I mean, a top five edge rusher right now. <sighs> oh, he didn't want to be here. Oh, he's hurt a lot. <laughs> he's going to want to be here if you give him the money he wants. Correct. And you know who else has hurt a lot? Marcus Davenport. Marcus Davenport. Yeah. Right. He's heard a lot of percent. Yep. Yeah. And so. it was clear that Zedarius Smith was a much more of a higher commodity than Marcus Davenport. Now, oh, I'm yeah. still high on what Marcus Davenport can be if he's on the field, but he needs to be on the field, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. he's a great guy, but at the end of the day, he's, he's literally costing us wins at this point so uh, by I, being in the yeah. roster and not being on the field. I don't disagree with you that pressure – like getting pressure on the quarterback is what they have to do. I just wouldn't go the route of trading a 2024 pick to get that edge rusher. I would, I guess I wouldn't do that unless there was a deal. I thought that was a great deal. Maybe yep. it's like, we know we're not going to extend Hunter. Like we know we're going to move on from Hunter this off season. So we're going to yep. bring this guy in for a third or a second round pick. And then we're going to extend him next off season. And he's going to be part of the build, he is a building block for us. So mm -hmm. I don't know who, what the market would be for that right now. But um, Would you ever go inside and try to beef up your interior to try to get more interior push? Yeah. Like go signing uh, Akeem Hicks or someone yes. like that to say, we need more pressure on the quarterback. If you can't do it via trade in an edge rusher, let's find a free agent that is maybe a little bit on the older side, but maybe could give us a little bit of an upgrade yes. when trying to get up the middle. For sure. Absolutely. And I think a side benefit of that would be if you can get someone who can absorb two blockers like Akeem Hicks can do when he's healthy and good, 
when you're pressuring and stunting and twisting and zone dogging and all of these things, a guy who can consume two blockers opens up lanes and opportunities for those tactics to work. So I would mm-hmm. love that. That'd be great. And I don't love what they have in the middle. I'm, yeah. I think Harrison Phillips is a great guy and a great locker room guy, but I don't love what I'm seeing. Agreed. I think Bullard is just a guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Tonga's not really becoming what a lot of folks projected or hoped, in my view, from what I can see. So I agree. I think he had a much better season last season. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, the, proof, the, the grades will prove it out once they're released today. But I did see some decent flashes from Jaqueline Roy, our fifth-round pick from, was it yep. LSU? Yep. Um, so hopefully he can step into more of a primary role. But at the end of the day, you need to change something on that line to be able to get more yep. push. Yep, I agree. So, um Let's let's get into the Chargers game here a little bit. Um, yeah. Number one to me was, you know, I I, I did see every snap um, of the game. So you know, there's a lot of things that you want to correct, and if this happened, then the outcome might have been different. But mm-hmm. to me, the Bucks. I mean, with with 30 seconds to go, the Vikings completely mismanaged the game. Um, mm-hmm. 41 seconds on the clock, fourth down, completion to Hawkinson for nine yards. You get a first down. That, that was with 41 seconds left. The next snap did not happen until 12 seconds left in the game. Yep. That's um, ludicrous. I know you had no, no timeouts, but that's still unacceptable. Ha- I'd heard I that need- the, the microphone went out on the helmet, apparently, okay. for Kirk Cousins, so they couldn't communicate with Kevin O'Connell. But still, I, I assume that teams plan for that contingency. Yes, yes, they do, Giles, but also, like, he's played for more than a decade in the NFL. Yeah. Stop the clock. The clock's running down. Yeah, well, like, we didn't have any timeouts at that point, but... I know, but I think you got to spike it there. Oh, yes, correct. I agree. Agreed. Completely agree. I mean, you have to get everyone up there and spike it. I mean... And I, I don't know if there was a sense of like, uh, coach didn't tell me to spike it. He's going to get mad at me if I waste a down here. But it's like, dude, there's only 20 seconds left. I mean, how many more yep. downs can you even have? Correct. So I, I think, I don't know if you really admitted this or said this, but I guarantee you if Cousins could go back and do it again, that's what he would do. He would run up and yep. spike the ball. Yep, 100%. And that's what would have been required. I think change that one play I mean, or the existence of the play, if you generate that, I think there's a chance we win the game. Yeah, there is. I mean, let's say, you know, you snap it at 41. Hawkinson catches it at 37. He gets tackled. It's 34. You call a timeout. There's 31 seconds left instead of 12. I mean, full stop. And you get a timeout or you get a a clock stoppage Mm -hmm. um, and you think about the play and maybe you call a different play or whatever, um, you know, because the next snap was the pick. Yeah. Um, so that was terrible. Game management at the end was awful. Um, mm-hmm. I liked the Chargers going for it on fourth down where they did. Because yeah. um, that was that was a game-winning play. They were trying to end yep. the game right there. Um, I yep. think that was the right move. They just called a terrible play. I'm like, you haven't been yep. running it up the middle all game. Why on the most important play of the game are you doing a fullback dive? Yeah, like, you what? should have done a quarterback sneak. Yeah. Yes. Keep the Give the ball to Herbert. <laughs> Jeez. Um, all right. Key moment in the game, Giles. Game is tied 7-7. Seven to seven. Vikings have the ball late second quarter. It's first and goal. Ball on the three-yard line. Madison, two-yard loss. 
on the fumble non-fumble. Yep. Incompletion to KJ, incompletion to Madison, kick a field goal. Yep. Yuck. To make it worse, the Chargers get the ball, turn around, and drive down for a touchdown. And their touchdown came on fourth and goal. And to me, I look back on that, I'm like, that's a difference in mindset, man. Like the Chargers mm-hmm. are sitting there trying to slit the Vikings' throat. Mm-hmm. Going for it on fourth and one, deep in their own territory to end the game. Going for it on fourth and goal right before halftime. Like they are trying to win. They're not trying yep. to be safe and avoid critics and not be too risky. And they're like, F it, man. We're, going, we're coming yep. in here to win. Yep. Loved I'm it. glad you mentioned that because when I was at the game, uh, I was with a guy named Jeff. He runs a big uh, uh, falls fabricating in St. Cloud. And yeah. I literally leaned over to him and I'm like, the Chargers are looking like the Vikings of last year. Yeah. They were very aggressive. They were like, if we want to move the ball down the field, we'll do it whenever we want. Right. Yes. There was a, uh, a confidence level to that. And the Vikings did not look like that. It's like yeah. they lost their their mojo. Like yeah. they want to step on other people's throats last year. And we <laughs> do not have that in our DNA this year. Yeah, you know, and that play calling and decision making, hindsight's twenty twenty. I get that, but I promise you, if you were sitting next to me in those moments, I was saying the Vikings should be going for it here on fourth, fourth and goal. Um, they got a new life after the they didn't call it a fumble on Madison. I'm like, this needs to be a touchdown against the Chargers. Like, you're not playing the Jets here, who aren't going to yeah. score a bunch of points. You're playing the Chargers, man. You got to score. Correct. Um, when the Chargers went for it on fourth and goal, I'm like, they should go for it here on fourth and goal. They did, and they scored. Mm-hmm. And the, like they were playing to win. Um, mm-hmm. Last one, and then I'll, I'll toss it over to you if you had any key points on the game. Grit. The grit factor, Chargers. Mm-hmm. The Chargers won a close game that came down to the last possession of the fourth quarter without Bosa, Derwin James, Austin Eckler and Mike Williams playing for most of or all of the period. And the Chargers mm-hmm. won the game without those players playing. That's gritty. That's very gritty. Uh, you also had a, a coach that was on his hot seat. Like, I think we talked about it before. If they lost that game, the coach is done. And I think yeah. that showed that the team rallied around that and they put in the work to be able to get it done. Yeah. Uh, no, don't get me wrong. They're a great roster. I think uh, last year, the year before, I thought they were the best roster in football. Now, do I think they're the best this year? No, but they're still a great roster. Yeah. They have a lot of great things mm-hmm. to like, especially defensively. Offense, obviously, they have a lot of good weapons as well. Um, but when you go into that game, we actually tied the Chargers in yardage. We both ended at exactly 475 oh, wow. yards, right? Now, if you were to be told that stat um, before the game and say, this is going to be the end, how do you predict the outcome? I think you would have thought that it would have been fairly neck and neck the entire game. And I don't feel like I felt that the entire game. I feel like we were always trying to get back into the game, right? Yeah. Although there was, there was moments to like, I think it felt a lot more lopsided than that. And I think it shows that the Vikings have the ability to punch you in the mouth when necessary, which is... Mm-hmm probably the biggest piece that gets me the most upset. It's like we were trying to play too conservatively. Like I mentioned this yesterday. I feel like the, the end of the 2022 season uh, happened and Kevin O'Connell said, all right, we're no longer going to be the Rams. We're going to be the Niners, right? That's the shift that we need to make in order to take it to the next level. And I feel like we aren't able to adequately make that work. And I can't put my finger on why not, but I feel like we're trying to far too control the game with running the ball and running heavy packages that we're not, prioritizing putting points in the board. It's almost like we know that we can put points on the board. So we're like, all right, well, whatever we need to score, we will. So now we're going to control the ball. And then something kind of fell apart in that, in that realm. When it's quick turn offense, we need to rush the ball down the field. Every time we've done it, 
I mean, we really have. Whenever we need to move the ball down the field and we push it, we can do it. But then yep. when we actually try to have a good drive, things seem to fall apart. Um, yep. So at the end of the day, I mean, the Chargers had 7.4 yards per play offensively. We had 6.1 yards per play. That is the worst that we've had this season. Uh, we've been in the 7.5s for the first two weeks, and then we tried to slow it down with the run game. That did not do well. Now, yards per pass attempt, the Chargers were at 9.5 yards per pass attempt. We were at 7.3, right? Uh, yards per rush attempt, we were at 5.4. The Chargers were at 2.0. And remember, we... We ended the game with the same amount of yards at 475 yards. So I think there's definitely something to be said there. And one thing to be kind of low-key alarmist about is the third down success rate. The Vikings had a 28% third down success rate, which is bad. That is not good. The Chargers ended the day at a 45% success rate, almost double. Like, that is something that needs to be discussed in the locker room at Egan this week. Yep. That is something that cannot continue. So when I think about going in to win at the Panthers and the rest of the games this year, you need to be able to ro throw the ball a little bit better. Like, I, I know establishing the run is an important piece, and maybe you and I disagree a little bit on this, but when you're up going up against a premier uh, quarterback, you need to prioritize putting points on the board versus pertaining uh, uh, possession. Yes. Um, yes. You need to get better on third down, which I think is a little bit of play call, a little bit of execution, and turnovers man yeah yep you know the the time of possession thing is always an interesting discussion i think it's more of a result of winning than it is a means to win <laughs> mm -hmm. if you follow yep. me there i mean yep it's like you, you you know 12 plays 80 yards seven and a half minutes touchdown it's like that's a great looking drive on paper and you did it so that's great job but like what are the chances that you can possess the ball for 12 consecutive plays without something bad happening? Fumble, mm -hmm. interception, sack, penalty, yep. negative yardage play, right? So, I mean, yep. it's, you want to strike, man. You want to be yep. explosive, strike, and put pressure on the other team by scoring, not by possessing the ball the whole game, right? So, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think if you look at the NFL as a whole, if you were to get on the wrong side of two turnovers in a game, that is essentially a death sentence. Like you're not yeah. coming back from that very often. And I think the only way to do that is to put as many points on the board as you can. I'm not saying go be the Dolphins <laughs> at 70 points here, yeah. uh, but you need to go run track meet. Like let's try to get back. And we were in that capacity. We had turn two turnovers. We, well, obviously the one happened at the end of the game, but at the end of the day, you need to put points on the board if you are going to provide turnovers. And until yeah. you can fix that issue, you need to just go track meet unfortunately yep. May, yep. prove me wrong as a football strategist oh, but i but think that's the only way to get around it i'd rather be i'd rather be the vikings offense and say hey man well, let's get into some track meets and let's 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 score some points let's try and score let's a bunch of out. points then be the vikings defense who's the position they're in right now is like oh my god i guess we gotta just i guess we just gotta blitz a lot to try and get pressure on the quarterback like it could work, but like that's you're exposed. You're leaving yourself exposed in a lot of other ways. So I'd rather yep, be the it's Vikings. Easter famine. Answer. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the last thing I had to here was Justin Jefferson. Like, if you just watched only him, oh, like every snap, all yep. you do is watch Jefferson and yep. grade him plus minus. Yeah. Like that was a plus rep. That was a minus rep. I don't think he has a minus rep like ever. No, nope. It's crazy. Uh, He's one of the he, best players in the NFL. Like, period. Like best like, non-quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he wins every rep. Yep. 
And I was really thankful that Addison started to come to his own during this game because I think that will really start to dictate coverage here moving forward as more and more teams get tape on him because they can't sell out to stop Justin Jefferson anymore. And obviously they couldn't even stop him now, but I think that will make him even more open the more and more Jordan Addison gets integrated. So I'm really, really excited about that. I was really, really scared when he was on the field there for a hot second uh, when he got hurt. Uh, I think it was maybe cramping that happened there. But I was like, oh my gosh, I bet he's regretting not signing his big deal before the season uh, because that would be a killer blow to catastrophic oh it'd be i i would be on the other side of the ledger i you know i just said (laughs) eyes on the prize you can still win the division right now if jefferson god forbid he gets hurt but if that did happen i'd be like it's over this year boys i mean yep pack it in yeah for so um but just it's so fun to watch him play jefferson i I, he he is just so good um we're um I mean, we're we're recording less than 24 hours after the game, so PFF has not come down with the grades. Is that correct? They haven't dropped uh, them? Correct. They're still yeah. pending on PFF. So, I don't know. We might owe the folks another episode. We're also not going to get nitty-gritty previewing the Panthers here, so maybe we owe everyone another episode this week. Um, and, and if our schedules allow, we can maybe record that uh, end of the week and talk Panthers and break down some of the PFF grades. But um, for now – Let's guess who you think graded well and who you think didn't. Um, on offense, thumbs up, I would say Jefferson, Addison, Cousins, Oliver, Madison. Those would be my guesses on offense. It's like you read my mind because those are the exact players that I thought of. I think okay. TJ Hawkinson had a really good game in some capacities, but obviously with the fumble and there was some some dropped issues there uh, yep. you know, in the, the end of the game there. Uh, I think that'll that'll ding him quite a bit, but I think you're absolutely correct because Madison was able to bounce back. I think he had some uh, some pretty obvious motivation with Cam Akers well, uh, lying there in the weight. Uh, so I think he's uh, recognizing his place as RB1 is maybe under question, so he really tried to show up. Now, obviously, that's a little bit of a game plan uh, to try to go prioritize his, his appearance on the game field, but yep. uh, he had a really great game. Addison, uh, I think he's proving that he is worth the first-round pick, and... Maybe this isn't even a hot take, but I think we have yet to really scratch the surface with Jordan Addison. I think we haven't really even integrated him into our offense. I think KJ Osborne was able to save his place at at, uh, WR2 with his big touchdown there. If that was a side, I think you would have seen Addison get more and more integrated as the the number two wide receiver. And Mm -hmm. that's where I'd really look to see him really start to show out. Yep. Yep. Um, Defensively, I got three players who I would give the thumbs up to is probably being in the top five but I went first on offense so why don't you take a quick stab on defense who are you thinking yeah absolutely uh unfortunately I, w- I would have said Daniil Hunter in a few plays but he was I mean well I think along the defensive line Daniil Hunter was the only guy that even remotely mattered so I think yeah. there's a chance he's towards the top I don't think he necessarily graded out great because he did not get home at all uh in comparison to his first two games but I think he's grading better than anyone else on the defensive line he did have the strip uh, sack he did have a oh, strip sack. Ah, uh, you're yeah, correct. Yep, that's so, right. So then yep, that further supports yep. my point. Uh, so yep. Daniel Hunter, um, I think Cam, yeah, Cam Bynum had another great game. Yeah, uh, agreed. He's uh, on my list. So yep, he's definitely a guy that has proven once again that he bounced back from his second year and and mimicked yep. his his rookie year. So really yep. excited to see that. I think yep. Josh Mattel has had another good one, but I don't know he's if that's my in my exact list. But I, I really did like him. Uh, and then Ivan Pace uh, also showed out pretty well in my opinion. Okay. Um, I was at the game, so I couldn't watch everything. I haven't rewatched the tape yet, so if I missed anything, uh, call it out. But I would say Ivan Pace Jr., Cam Bynum, and Daniel Hunter. Okay. I didn't put Pace on there, but I didn't have him on my thumbs down either. So be yep. curious to see what the data says there. Um, I, I want to know what you think when you watch the game back, and then I want to know what PFF thinks. Yeah. Um, 
I agree on Bynum. I had Hunter in there, and then the I had Metellus in there, and then I put Hicks in there. I, oh, I know yeah. I say this a lot about him. I, I say it every week. He's around the ball a lot, and is that because you're giving up receptions and coverage, you know, or is it because you're around the ball a lot? Uh, yeah. But he also had a forced fumble and fumble recovery too, Hicks yes. did. So yep. um, I thought Hicks played well. Um, I was a proponent of keeping him uh, this season. Um, I was all on board with Kendricks being out. Um, yep. and I'm glad they kept Hicks. Um, yep. and I, I thought he played well. I have a feeling it's the corners thumbs down, uh, with yep. all the receptions they gave up and just not being able to cover. That'd be my guess. Yeah. Um, Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who basically dropped the pick. You know, I say this to like my kids and other people I watch the game, like those, it's like if you're playing defense and you tip a ball, you, you get your hands on a pass, but you don't intercept mm -hmm. it and it's incomplete. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, like oh, great way to knock it down. I'm like that, like that's a thought that that's a minus play. A Caleb yes. Evans. That's a minus play. Like even if Palmer wouldn't have caught that for the touchdown. Yep. That's a minus play because he had a pick in his hands. Yep. In his hands. And if you get in your hands, you should catch it. Like, I mean, uh, yes. The Chris I mean, Carter mentality. Yes, and I get it. They're DBs, not receivers, but like that that was not a, a high degree of difficulty catch relative to the NFL game. Everything's moving really fast. I get it, all that. But like relatively speaking, that was a low degree of difficulty interception. Yeah. And it cost the Vikings huge. It probably cost them the game if you're being yeah. completely honest, considering yeah. we lost by four points. Yep. Um, oh, you know what? Another thing, too, gals, and you'll you, you probably notice this watching the game uh, live, but you'll notice it when you go back and watch it. Um, Kellen Moore, who's the Chargers' offensive mm -hmm. coordinator, did a great job of setting up the double pass touchdown. Oh my goodness! Yes. Because they now were doing those this, wide, yeah. those 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 lateral passes to receivers, those wide receiver like basically in the flat, they did those yep. the entire first half and the Vikings rallied. Mm -hmm. And then that, that set up the double pass, man. I mean, yep. they had two vertical routes on that and they were both open. Yep. Unfortunately. And that, that was a, a killer punch yeah. <laughs> full stop. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I was a big fan of Kellen Moore when he was a cowboy. And now that he's with the chargers, I think he even has a better uh, unit. I mean, he has a better quarterback. No disrespect yeah. uh, to Dak Prescott, but I'm yep. I, as a football fan, I'm really excited to see what uh, he's doing over there with the chargers. Yeah, I mean, not not wanting to be prisoner of the moment here, but it's a pretty short list who you'd take at quarterback in the league right now over Herbert. I mean, it's a short list, right? Burrow and Mahomes, I think, is about the only ones that That's I would it? measure. And I, I think so. And there's even a chance, considering the play thus far this season, that I'd put Herbert above Burrow. Burrow. Yeah, uh, it's a it'd be very... a discussion. Don't give me it's not an easy yeah. decision, but there's a he's top three, full stop. Yeah, he's man, he's a good player, and you know he's just he's very fluid and smooth, and and it looks like it's it's almost like he looks like he's a varsity quarterback playing in a JV game, or like yes. a JV quarterback playing in a ninth grade game. Like it's just a little easier for him. Yep. It's it's going a little bit slower. It's yep. the ball handling, and he never panics. The yep. pocket movement. It's just it's just easy. It looks yep. easy. Doesn't turn him. over the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he he's a special player and he's the guy where, you know, you back up the Brinks truck and you give him and they just did. And um, they just did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you pay him and you keep him for as long as he'll play for you, man. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. 
we um we can we can try and get get our calendars together here and preview the Panthers later in the week. But just yep. you know, quick thoughts on the Panthers. Adam Thielen just had a great game in Seattle. Um, we don't know who will play quarterback for the Panthers. Bryce Young did not play yesterday. It was Andy Dalton who played. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Young has an ankle injury that um, the Panthers may be taking this opportunity to sort of rest him and heal that injury at a time when maybe he wasn't quite ready to play. Um, so I, I, the Vikings will, will be installed as favorites in this game. Uh, yes. the, uh, they will be three, four-point favorites. I know it's on the road and they're own three, but I, I do expect them to go to Carolina and beat the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's what I'm anticipating. And I just don't know that the Panthers are going to be able to, to slow the Vikings offense down. So I think it's a 30 point game for the offense and just not enough firepower for the Panthers uh, against the Vikings. I completely agree. I think the Panthers are in a position to maybe be contenders next year, but this year I think the Vikings should have it in the bag. Now, I thought that definitely against the Buccaneers and, you know, been proven incorrect. So I've, obviously anything can happen in the NFL because everyone's getting paid 200 plus million dollars to go win the football game. Uh, but on paper, we should win this game handily. Uh, I really do. Uh, I know there's a lot of motion with uh, Adam Thielen, like you mentioned. It's going to be a great revenge game. He's a uh, definitely a ring of honor guy when it comes to the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, yeah, we should put up 30 points at least. I'm predicting like there's a chance that this could go 30 to 12 if, if yeah. we do this right. I mean, if they do it right, if they don't turn it over, if they, yeah, Correct. I mean, um, I think the Vikings would rather see Bryce Young than Andy Dalton, to be honest with you. I don't think Bryce mm-hmm. Young can win the game. The game wrecker, and this one is Brian Burns, the defensive end for Carolina, who's really good. Yeah. Uh, don't know if J.C. Horn, their really talented corner, will play. He's out with an injury. Don't know if Bryce Young will play. Um, Panthers' offensive line is all right, but yep. um, Vikings need to get they need to get in the win column this week, and the Panthers are are a good opponent for them to be facing, all things considered. So. Uh, 100%. And Anything, when I look at the matchups yeah. else, I, I, I really think we should be able to win this game. When you look at the matchups across offense on our side and defense on their side, based on the people that are going to play, uh, obviously you do have uh, Xavier Woods uh, back there at safety who's been having a really great season, but I think we're going to be able to overcome. Yeah, I agree. So uh, we'll, we'll try and jot some notes down, maybe record another episode here later in the week um, and talk more Vikings football. But I think uh, for now, that'll, that'll do it. Do we, uh, do we omit any notes you have that you wanted to get to, Giles? No, we'll uh, release the PFF grades when they come out. Uh, but uh, I think we just need to put a smile on and move forward and just kind of uh, have a, a short memory here and forget about the past and move forward to the Panthers. All righty. Sounds good. Have a good week, Giles. Yeah, you too. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We thank you for listening, and we encourage you to like, follow, and subscribe to the Wobcast 2.0. You can do that wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts and football content. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all the other places where you find all your other podcasts, you can find the Wobcast 2.0. So please make sure you like, subscribe, and follow. On behalf of Giles, this is Wobby signing off for now. Might be back later in the week to talk Vikings-Panthers. If not, we'll be back next Monday to break down the Vikings, hopefully, victory over the Carolina Panthers. Until then, Skull Vikings.